Okay, well, welcome back to CC Talks, and uh, here we are for our uh, podcast, and we get on with the uh, the register. So, uh, who have we got in today? We have a full house, actually, today. It's great. So, uh, Henry. Yes, sir. And Oliver. Yes, sir. Jack. Yes, sir. And James. Sir. Good stuff. Okay, well, we go uh, through, and we've got uh, a lot to cover. We're going to be uh, talking today, uh, covering our great inter- insight that uh, Oliver's been working on with Henry uh, over the gambling and uh, obviously that impact on uh, on the EFL and the EPL. So, uh, and then I know Jack's been working a lot on uh, covering uh, the, uh, the the sort of transfer window and the, the values of, of which clubs have, have done well and, and which haven't. So looking forward to that. So, okay, we'll go straight in. Okay, Jack, I know you've been working, uh, obviously transfer window is coming, certainly the domestic one's coming to a close tomorrow uh, evening, five o'clock, uh, with a few hours to get things sorted out. And you've been working the way, I know, with our quant guys, uh, looking at really which transfers have benefited which clubs and coming up with some of the some of the clubs that have done well and perhaps some that haven't done as well. So uh, talk us through it. Yeah, so I've been doing some work with the quant team for a research paper that's going to be released early next week. It's going to be the basis of which teams have done the best in best in this transfer window and mm. which teams haven't done so well. It's kind of like our money ball moment. Mm. So what it's based on is the transfer values that either teams have sold players for or bought players for, and it's going to be compared to the intrinsic value that our quant team have given to each player. And it's the intrinsic value for the team that have sold the player and the intrinsic value for the team that have bought the player. Yeah, and we should probably just you know, explain briefly what the intrinsic value is. I mean, ultimately, yeah. it's a monetary value that we give to a player, which um, which gives essentially is value in use in monetary terms. Mm. So it's you know in the same way as our Cartier rating assesses how good a player really is. So his contribution to his team winning football matches based on his contribution to key match events and all the matches that he's he's played in. Um, our you know our intrinsic value then puts a monetary value on that, and the reason why it's useful is that you know if if you're a club and and you know you've got a player and somebody's coming along you know so let's use Maguire as an example, um, uh, you know Man United, Man City are looking to try and acquire Maguire, and and they're offering seventy million or eighty million or whatever it might be. You need to understand what his monetary value is to Leicester City. Um, and I think we measured it about something like forty nine million. Mm. So that's kind of what you know you would if you were Leicester, you would have to go out into the market and spend that amount of money to get a player that will perform at the level that Maguire has performed at Leicester and potentially might perform we extrapolated forward, might perform in the future for another team. Right. Whereas his intrinsic value for Manchester United, I think, was seventy ish million. Yeah, yeah. So it was in the 70, 70 million. Trillion, so, yeah. so that's the contribution that he could make. Right. His intrinsic value to Manchester United if he st- if his performances stay at a similar level. Mm-hmm. Now what you know, now what the reason why it's higher for Manchester United than um, for, for, for Leicester is because Manchester United are, you know, in very simple terms are better than Leicester or have performed better than Leicester right. and actually with better players around then mm. you get more opportunities and so we actually make allowances for that as well so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a unique insight nobody else does it people try and estimate you know KPMG try and estimate what they think the market value should be we do that to a certain extent but we say the market is ultimately whatever the, yeah. the, the you know a club pays the highest price for a player, and markets can be manipulated. What's more interesting in you know for clubs is what's his intrinsic <laughs> value because you should be looking to sell a player if you're the selling club for a market value for a transfer fee that's higher 
there's an intrinsic value. That's what's going to incentivize you to sell that player. Mm. And of course, if you're trading properly, then mm. you want to flip it and you want to have then a player coming in with a high intrinsic value but a low market value. Yeah. So, so that's so what we've done essentially. I think Jack is you've 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 taken the intrinsic value. I know Henry in in, in analytics has has been helping you with that uh, for for the various players that have been bought and sold, and then and then we we actually we can then see which teams have actually done the best effectively in the transfer window rather than just thinking about well you know does a good long ball or he's good on the wing or all these subjective terms mm. we're objectively mm. measuring how good a player is what his intrinsic value is and then how good a club has been at, at buying a, a player so are there any that stand out so the the big one of the biggest transfers that stands out for me is arsenal's big transfer of nicholas pepe mm. they spent 72 million bringing him to bringing him to arsenal but his intrinsic value for Lille uh, last year was only 19.31 million. Yeah. And his, uh, his intrinsic value for Arsenal going forward only sits at about 50, 50.23 million. And that's a brilliant example, isn't it? Yeah. So it's, that it's suggests they've overpaid by, yeah. by about 20, yeah. 20 million. And, you know, so, I mean, let's see how he performs. But what we, you know, what we will say is that our Cartier rating, which underpins the intrinsic value, is incredibly accurate. So, as you know, um, you know, its predictive quality is 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 accurate and very high and highly accurate. Um, so, you know, we would expect Pepe to do okay for Arsenal. Yeah. But seventy-two million. Yeah, Lille have done some great business. They have. Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. Now, what Lille should be doing is they should be now looking for a player to replace Pepe and obviously pay a relatively low market value, but to find one with a high intrinsic value. Mm. And, you know, that's what, you know, that's what our work obviously does. And then Lille would have done the ultimate yeah. transaction yeah. In, in, the, in the transfer window. They've got a better player in that position than they had previously and they made a massive profit on the, mm. on the transaction. What other ones have stood out? So there's there's another one which stands out. Um, we were actually discussing it earlier in the office. Was Sam Byron yeah. to Norwich? Yeah. It's Norwich Norwich seemed to have for me looking at the looking at the comparison between transfer value and intrinsic value seemed to have done the the steal of the window. Yeah. Seven hundred forty seven thousand to bring Sam Byron from West Ham. His intrinsic value last season twenty seven point six nine million. Yeah. I mean, mm. I mean that that sort of also highlights the um, mm. the the sort of the inflation in the in the player transfer market that you know you cannot get a player now a half decent player for anything less than twenty five thirty yeah, absolutely well, yeah, yeah and you know for you know he's been out of favour at West Ham uh, I suspect that you know he hasn't fitted necessarily into Pellegrini's uh, plans um, or formations um, but yeah he he makes he's one of those players he's a sleeper. That has a massive impact um, on the team when he plays. Um, that often can't necessarily be seen visually, you know, or subjectively mm. um, by the human eye. And you know, that's a heck of a buy that is for for Norwich. I think yeah. he'll make a, a massive difference to to Norwich. Yeah, and you know what? Showcase him there. Yeah, if he has another good season, get him out of yeah ten fifteen million. Yeah, I mean, you yeah, know, yeah. It's, it's, it's uh, yeah, and if and if it doesn't work, well. They haven't lost a lot. There's, yeah. the, it's, it's, there's upsides all around, isn't yeah. there, for Norwich? Because, yeah. if he, you know, as you said, if he's a you know, half-decent season mm. and they want to sell him for £15 million, mm. great. Happy days. Yeah. But, yeah. If, yeah, but if he works out as we think he might, then um, 
Yeah, it could be, could be more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the sort of situation where you know we hope that Norwich don't get relegated, but if they did get relegated, and you know he he had a great season, then you you know you sell that player out and you made a great profit on the deal. Marshall. Yeah, looking looking at it more generally, rather than going just for player transfers and going for clubs, mm. club by club, evidence seemed to have done a lot of good business. They've brought in quite a few players that, yes, they've brought them in at high value, but they've brought them in Andre Gomez, for example, mm. £22 million. Mm. Last season's value when he was playing on loan at Everton, £40 million. Yeah. Fabian Delph, £8.5 million. Last season's value at Man City, 54 Yeah, That's good business. Yeah. An example of bad business, sadly for me personally, is Newcastle. <laughs> Finally spending money, you know, but they've bought Joe Linton, £40 million. Way above his, way mm. above his intrinsic value, and they've sold Iwasi Perez for thirty million, which is, to Leicester, which is below his intrinsic value. Yeah, it's it. There's some good examples of uh, good and bad business. Teams have spent a lot of money again, but yeah. mm. like I said at the beginning, the research papers coming out at the beginning of at the beginning of next week, and it'll be a be a more in depth, comprehensive mm. thing of the whole Premier League. Yeah. yeah, I'd like to see intrinsic value of Rafa. To Newcastle as well. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's some significant yeah. value they've lost as well. We'll check that at Christmas. We'll see how Steve <laughs> Bruce is doing. Yeah. Well, he's certainly cheaper than Rafa. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that, that's not this week's conversation, James. That's no, not. It's, it's not. Well, no, well, no, you've done some great work there, and uh, you know, hey, the window's still uh, still go. A few more transactions, yeah. so uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll he, put it in the research paper. I think uh, Dominic in the office said that the uh, the best acquisition for Newcastle. Uh, has been uh, some fella called Jack Wills. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. yeah, you know, it's, it's just twisting the blade every week now. So, James, you've you know. got broad shoulders, Jack. You've got broad shoulders. Good stuff. Well done. Yeah, Oliver, we were talking earlier, you've been working with Henry, uh, obviously, on the analytics and uh, you're covering the gambling um, world and its uh, domination of, of football. And you've come up with a great heading there, Are Football Clubs Addicted to Gambling? So... Uh, Talk us through it. Well, I won't quite take um, take full credit for that heading. I think James came up with that one-liner uh, <laughs> the, other, good. <laughs> the other week. But, yeah, so, so the last few days, um, we've been specifically looking at the primary sponsors across all of the different football clubs, across mm. the English Football League and the Premier League, both from both, both the last few years, so the last couple of seasons and this upcoming season, and the seasons around the beginning of the Premier League. And it's really interesting to look at the change in sector of, of the companies that are sponsoring these clubs. Mm. So I, I'm sure you'll, you'll all be aware that the huge dominance that the gambling sector has on, on the football industry in terms of, in terms of commerce. Yeah. Um, so, so really we wanted to have a, a deep look into that and understand why, why these changes um, will have occurred to, to, towards this sector. I suppose one of the first questions is: is what? Why is football um, so uh, interesting and alluring to um, to, mm-hmm. to to gambling yeah. companies? Yeah. I mean, Steve, you you were part of that sort of that early online betting, mm-hmm. um, you know, sort of mid two thousands at the time that uh, party gaming floated and and, yeah. and when when gaming companies first started to think about coming to. Yeah, into into football. And what you know, 
in actual fact, that's where you and I first first met because when I was at, when I was at Everton. Yeah, so, so what was it that um, that attracted the the sort of the gaming companies, as you and I used to call them, but mm. that means mm. something different now. But the gambling companies to to football. Yeah, I think well, obviously, you know, a lot of gambling companies had you know had the casinos, the pokers, and then they had the sports books. And of course, you know, what it came out a lot of the a lot of the um, uh, sort of market uh, work was done through affiliates. Yes. And so the attraction initially was databases. Yes. So it was the databases of the football clubs. Yeah. Where you felt if you could get into those databases, um, utilize that, they were already, you know, they had a, a sort of a comfort factor with football or yeah. other sports. Um, because the biggest thing with, the, with gaming or gambling is to get that initial client. A bit like banking. Yes. Mm-hmm. Once you get that customer, then they have many marketing you, you know, um, uh, abilities to tap into that customer, whether it's you know free bets or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and of course the, the big thing is not to let them not to let them leave, not to let them transfer their, their, their funds or withdraw the funds. So the attraction now is because remember we're talking not only of the big sort of UK brands, the William Hills, the Ladbrokes, you know the Bet Three Six Five, but Chinese. we're talking now yeah. massive Asian market who don't actually look or don't really require customers logging in from the UK, you know so. Rather than the databases, although it is the agents is very much about the eyeballs, okay. Mm-hmm. Whereas the you know the the sort of more British establishment, they are looking for people to literally be able to log in and go and or walk down the high street and place a bet. Mm-hmm. So it, it it's changed a little bit, but fundamentally it comes back to this cost and the the return on investment, which rather than going out to affiliates, which they still do, mm. they're looking at now eyeballs. Mm. And, and, um, and, and, and and some of your early involvement was with white labeling. Yeah, and, well, it's uh, interesting. Yeah, and that, and that, that's interesting because what that's doing is it's, it's trying to create an association between the, the gambling company yeah. and the football club. Yeah. Um, and in, in many respects, that's actually what the Asian... Uh, gambling companies are, are and betting companies are doing now. They're, it. they're, they're getting that edification, aren't they? Yeah. Um, yeah. Where the eyeballs are seeing it's associated with the, the Premier League or mm-hmm. the Championship, yeah. um, and and as a result, you know they, they think that sort of edifies and you know. I'm you know, absolutely right. Yeah. You know, and why you should be going with this gambling company rather than yeah. another one? And th- there are actually some gambling companies that um, donate half of their profits to community causes that are yes. related to the club. Or I, so they say. Yeah, so yeah, they say. Part, part of the EFL, part of the EFL and Premier League is they, they've got to they've got to be seen to be giving something back to the community because mm-hmm. obviously they're not allowed to do any sort of gambling you know and this is where some of them it's a very grey area and it's a it's a, a little bit of a conflict but you know they're not allowed to be seen to be promoting to, to the kids, to the mm-hmm. juniors, that's why none of it's on the strip. But also they've got to be seen to be putting some of their revenues Back into the community, yeah, and that's you know I know I know one or two have obviously donated their space to charities instead yeah. of putting their own brand on. They've given it to a charity, but talk great, about great marketing, yeah. I mean, marketing. I mean that's the Paddy Power thing, yeah, and and, and, and Huddersfield Town, yeah, and um, but it hasn't gone down well. It hasn't, hasn't gone. Down it hasn't well. gone down well with with the with the EFL or the EPL, and mm. and or, there's or, concerns or with the FA, or with the FA, yeah, and, and you know it's interesting. I mean W eighty eight. They've done a white label, yeah. you know, and they they have you know they have obviously the shirt sponsor uh, of several. I mean, they're into into uh, uh, also they have BR eight eighty eight, which is again another sister brand. Yeah, yeah but they white labeled it through through a, a different company because they obviously have to have a license. And if they can't get a license, then they use somebody else to. 
to, to white label it. But it's interesting also because just literally breaking, obviously, with Wayne Rooney's um, you know, um, uh, um, attraction to, to Derby yeah. and uh, coming through, you know, um, obviously, 32 Red um, have literally come in there and now given him the shirt number 32. And uh, that has not gone down very well mm. with. No, look, looking at the looking at the, uh, the yeah. comments, it hasn't gone down well with supporters, but it also hasn't gone down well with the uh, the authorities. There is some general increasing negativity towards the gambling sector generally. Obviously, pressure from the football league and Premier League now, but also it just generally from the government, um, from doctors. Mm. Um, doctors are advising at the moment that it should be classed as a public health risk, for mm. example. Obviously, we've had the the bans on sponsorships as well. So just this general pressure from from authorities is going to be changing this environment over the next few years. So, so we've and that's really interesting. So we've looked at it from what's attractive about it for the gambling companies. Mm-hmm. We we talked very briefly and probably need to talk more about that at a future date about you know you know the impact on society and, mm-hmm. and what various organisations that have you know some stakeholding in football think about it mm-hmm. what's attractive to the football clubs Oliver for you know why why are the football clubs addicted to these gambling companies for me it's it's simply because they are being they're being offered the money essentially yeah. um they've, they've just they're paying well over the odds aren't mm, they? Yeah. They're, paying yeah. the, yeah. they're paying a premium to get onto the shirts and the clubs are happy to take that you know, it's also slightly easier. You know, they, they, they tend to be brought in by an agency. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a, it's a, as we were talking in previous, you know, it's a mm-hmm. tick in the box situation. And, uh, you know, and they're willing, uh, you know, they're willing to take that extra money and, and handle, the, handle the, whatever the adverse sort of publicity they get. They're handling it. And, and you know, it's, it's interesting looking at your research, you know, from, from Henry and, and yourself, Oliver. You know, when you look at the traditional brands that used to be involved, you know, the electronics mm. here, you've got the, the, the pie chart. Hitachi, here. obviously, yeah, the famous one. Cars and tyres, financial services, okay, one or two. And it's also interesting that your top brands, you know, your top clubs, rather, you know, have stuck with non-gaming brands. Mm. So they've got, you know, Man United have got theirs, obviously Tottenham Hotspur. So you, you're looking at, they haven't gone in because the gambling brands can't afford to. Mm. You know, they can't, you know, four or five million... That's a really point. Four or five million is okay for, for mm-hmm. or they think that's justifiable to the eyeballs will get yeah. Asia. But, and you know, and it is a bit with that, you know, it's a bit of putting the money out and seeing that it, it's difficult to, mm-hmm. to gauge. But your bigger global brands haven't succumbed to, to, the, to the betting, you know, the betting yeah. shirt sponsors. Yeah. Um, and I, I would like to see it. And I think there is that underlying ripple now where there's clearly frustration and, and certainly from the authorities. And I would like to see you know, better, with respect, you know, quality brands that people across all family, all age groups associate with. And the reason they're not is because the clubs don't know how to do it. Yes. Being blunt. Yeah. You know, and we know through the analytics that we do is their databases aren't being maximized. Mm-hmm. There's absolutely golden exactly. nuggets in those databases, but they're not being, they're not being, you know, they're not being analyzed. And, and I think it comes down to the fact uh, that, just attribution data just isn't isn't as good with other areas of, of sponsorship. Yeah. Whereas with gambling, it the the actual population that you'd be marketing to, so sports fans, are going to be much more likely to gamble. Just the, the general conversion probability is much more likely to market towards mm. a, a, a sports yeah. fan mm-hmm. rather than 
a much more sort of qualitative branding form mm. of sponsorship where someone's to just see a name and then remember it a mm. few years down the line. Mm. It, it, it's, it's just generally different. Yeah, it is. I mean, James mentioned right at the beginning, it's a very, very good point. It's the edification. Mm-hmm. Because remember, and it's a, a real, you know, but the, 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 the psychology behind a gambling addict, basically, or mm-hmm. a gambler, is they will never blame themselves. Okay, so they'll blame the name, they'll blame the software, they'll blame the call centre rep, they'll blame whoever it is of themselves. So this is where, when, this is why the Asians, the strategy there is, because remember, several of these big betting mm-hmm. groups in Asia have multiple brands. Because when a, when a gambler loses, they'll blame the brand, it's unlucky or whatever, or the software's not as good, and they'll switch to another one. Okay, and by having these multiple brands mm-hmm. in Asia, so therefore... That edification seeing on a shirt, if they swap and they go to another brand or they get teasers. So there's many ways to manipulate that gambler to come in. And that, as you say, but it's the edification. Mm. It's the edification of being able to put a Premier League club on your website. So when somebody logs in in Asia, they see that, then they know that you know, they, they should be able to trust it. Mm-hmm. Because not all gambling sites mm. you know, pay out and all these sort mm. of things. So it's, it's, that's, that's worth to them. Four or five million you know, a season of what they're paying. So it was no, a lot I mean, of work it, to it, do. It's a big issue. Yeah. And, um, and, and you know, Oliver, you know, we've got a research paper coming out mm-hmm. in, a, in a couple of weeks on this that you're going to work on with, um, with Henry. Yeah. And Steve, obviously, because of his, um, his background, will mm-hmm. be heavily involved in it as well. So, uh, mm-hmm. so we'll, we'll, put, we'll push that out on our yeah. social media and our website. But, yeah. Henry's yeah. been doing some of the prospecting um, on what the actual sponsors were. Yes. So would you be able to tell us about the different sectors, Henry? Well, um, in recent times, it's basically all been gambling. So this season, uh, the 2019-20 season, half the teams in the Premier League are being sponsored by gambling brands. As, as a main sponsor? As a main sponsor mm, yeah. on the shirt. Mm. Yeah. Whereas com- in comparison to the first couple of seasons in the, in the actual Premier League, the main main sort of a sector that sponsored Premier League teams was electronics mm-hmm. and beer. Yeah. yeah. Back in the early 90s, yeah. so I guess it's yeah. fairly expected. Computer yes. boom. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it just shows you the change. But but again, we, you know, we've talked about it. It's, you know, I don't think we would necessarily call it laziness, but it's 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 what's the best alternative mm. to, to, mm. to gambling sponsors for that sort of mid to lower tier Premier League clubs. Yeah. And if they haven't got one, they've got to try and understand why they haven't got one. And it might be because their commercial team is too small and all they're doing is effectively just you know, managing infantry. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Or it might be that they, they don't really know how they can really get access mm-hmm. to, to wider markets yeah. by doing so or to present themselves in a way that makes them attractive to, you know, shall we say, more mainstream um, sponsors. Mm. Um, so it, it's, a, it's a big topic. It's an interesting topic. Um, it's got a lot, of, a lot of legs, you know, and we're going to be doing a lot of work on it mm. ahead of not this season that's just, just about no. to start, no. but ahead of next season, mm-hmm. because I think that there will be some fundamental changes, um, you know, in, in terms of approach yeah. and, and, and view, you know, views of, of the, the stakeholding organisations around gambling in football over the course of the next 12 months. Right, so uh, we're on to this week's Mourinho Minute and similar to last week, what's <laughs> happened? Yeah. Nothing. I mean, that's, that's the thing, isn't it? It's all, there's, you know, I always remember a sketch in the, in the thick of it where 
the, you know, the two spin doctors were arguing with each other and they're saying that you know, the, the worst thing uh, you know, than somebody saying something really bad about you is somebody not saying anything about you at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd be worried. I mean, you know, life is going on without Mourinho in yeah. football right Yeah, now. the world hasn't stopped. Yeah. yeah. There is, there is rumours. And Steve Bruce has obviously taken the plum job. But, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, you know, he's, he missed out. He missed yes, out with the treat, know. you know, coming to the, yeah. the bright, sunny sights of the northeast of England. Can I just say, we did, we did see Mourinho over the last week because we saw him on Sky Sports News. Oh, and yes, we commented true. that he looked really healthy. Yes. Had a good glow about him. Yeah. Yes. And that's just his sunbathing, but <laughs> He was in Portugal at the he time. Was. Yeah. 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 So yeah, so he did. No, you're right. He did have a, a little yeah. thing on on Sky Sports, but but even so, yeah, mm. nobody's really talking. You know, no. talking about it, mm. and uh, you know, we're we're struggling. You know, we in the you know a few weeks ago we were trying to keep up the Mourinho minute down to yeah, it was all to, over, wasn't to it? Ten minutes. Yeah. yeah. Now, now we can barely make it last a minute. I know. It's disappointing, but surely there'll be some news in I'm the sure. coming season once transfer windows closed. Well, as soon as as soon as a manager at a top club, or a top club starts to struggle, yeah, mm-hmm. around sort of November time, and one will, yeah, then who's going to go first? Then he's already there. Who's going to struggle first? That's the Steve question. Bruce. I would said top club. Yeah. <laughs> you missed that that's, bit. That's yeah, 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 I right, thought I'd yeah. get in there before somebody else did. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's I think it's difficult. I think. Um, Remember, he's European as well. It's not just, it's not just yeah. Premier League. Yeah, uh, he, he's, he's looking to go into yeah. you know, whether it's back into Spain or yeah. Germany. Yeah, I think Marco Silva's under some immense pressure straight straight away for Everton. Mm. Yeah. This is what happens Everton. when you spend that much money. Yeah, is Everton a club that Mourinho? Won? Well, you might well, say that they're ambitious. Mm, yeah, yeah with a new stadium. Yeah. yeah, there's great rivalry with with Liverpool. Yeah, um, it might be the sort of project. He yeah, wants now. you might fancy that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 given a Bit of money. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's it. He needs to close There's certainly been a lot of money. talk in it. I know we've done the transfer stuff earlier, but a lot of talk in the transfer when you know Everton have been pretty active and yeah. big numbers mm. as well. Mm. So um yeah, watch your space. Great, well a lot of football to come. It's the start of the uh, the Premier League. We've got uh, Liverpool hosting uh, new newly uh, promoted uh, Norwich on Friday night. And then we've uh, we've obviously got the close of the transfer window. So a lot of action going on. And then uh, all the games on Saturday and the big one Sunday as well. So uh, who is it Sunday? It's Chelsea and Manchester United. So a yeah. uh, lot of great football. Guys, enjoy your weekend. We're back in uh, action and we'll uh, be with you again, usual time, next week.